Oh my goodness. Good morning, good afternoon. Whatever it is for you, I hope you're having a fantastic day. My name is Zach Schaumler. This is Strong Opinion Sports, episode 305. Uh, today is Friday the 13th. That's, so that's one superstition right there. It's also November 2020. So Friday the 13th is something that scares a lot of people. It's also 2020. I feel like if there's ever a day that's horrible, if you're superstitious, it's Friday the 13th on 2020, during 2020. I'm not superstitious, but I will say that I'm getting my wisdom teeth out later today. I hope things go well. I feel confident. The doctor that's doing the operation is an Indian woman who's uh, very wonderful and I seems very competent and I, I'm, I trust her. So I think it'll be okay. Um, but I, I just, hey, if you're out there, give me good vibes. I, I hope it goes well. Now, I also hope this episode goes out on time. I, uh, I'm recording before the surgery. We'll do the surgery. I'll come back. There's a lot of video. There's a lot of uh, visual components to this episode for YouTube. So um, I got to do a lot of just a lot of stuff to, between Ask Zach questions and team logos and all kinds of stuff visually. Um, so please be patient. I, I think this episode will come out Friday night. I'm going to do the very best I possibly can. Um, but I, I hope that you guys understand. I'm, I'm literally getting surgery in uh, two hours. And I'm, I'm, I'm nervous. Like I, I, I'm not really confident or comfortable. I, I'm not getting knocked out or anything. I'm just getting my, my gums numbed up. So uh, I have had teeth pulled out before. I think I'll be okay. But I will say, like, this week has been very ominous. Like, all week there's been this cloud over me. Hey, guess what's coming? Guess what? End of the week. Bam! You're getting your teeth knocked out. And I've been a little bit just hesitant and nervous about it so I think it's gonna go very well I hope it goes very well and uh wish me luck I want to start today with this I have not yet said a word about last week's NFL games you know NFL week nine and so I want to start today with kind of a fun game and and by the way I apologize I, I didn't mean for this to take so long uh the college football rabbit hole I went down Put me way behind, and I, I just I apologize. That's not who I am. I, I I do my best, and I'm sorry that it took so long to get this out. Um, but here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna play a little game with you guys. So there are five games from last week's uh, NFL weekend, this past weekend, NFL Week Nine, and there are five games that I would call the most interesting games from NFL Week Nine. So as I introduce each game, uh, I'm gonna be a little bit coy. I, I would like to give you guys a hint or two. Uh, before I reveal what game I'm talking about. And I hope for you guys it's fun because you guys can sit whether in your car or uh, taking a dump or studying or whatever you're doing in your life. I hope that you can sit at home and try to figure out what game I might be talking about. Then I'll do the reveal and then we will, you know, I'll share my thoughts and analysis of the game. And so again, see if you can guess which game I'm talking about as we go along. The first game I want to talk about, I would describe this game as very surprising. I went. I looked at the score and I went, oh, crap, what? No way. And actually, it made me glad that I didn't do any predictions for last week, for NFL Week 9. Uh, this, you know, this really should give it away, this hint right here, is that it was a game between two Hall of Famers squaring it off. Uh, of course, I'm talking about the New Orleans Saints who beat the Buccaneers 38-3. to And there's no way you at home didn't look at that score and go, no way. Well, really? Like, what? And so, I admit, I did not see this one coming. Tom Brady had no touchdowns, three interceptions. The Saints were up 31 
to nothing at halftime. In fact, the Buccaneers didn't score until the fourth quarter when the Saints were up 38-0. to It was really bad. And uh, first of all, I want to give the Saints credit. They played very well. I don't mean to, like for me, I don't find the Saints very interesting from this game because they were great. I mean, great to me is actually never very interesting. I'm always fascinated by awful or bad or ugly or mediocre. And so, you know, the most interesting story from this game was how did the Tampa Bay Buccaneers get destroyed? I don't, I looked at that game and what happened? And I watched the game. And my takeaway really was that this Buccaneers team is just so, so inconsistent. They lost to the Bears a while back, looked horrible. Then they blew out the Green Bay Packers and went, oh, maybe, maybe, maybe they are a playoff team. Then they looked kind of average and mundane against the Giants. Now the Giants, kind of a perfect recipe. You can explain that one away. The Giants are well coached and they're getting better on defense and the coach knows Tom Brady really well. And then they just got annihilated by the New Orleans Saints on Sunday Night Football. And you just have this up and down and up and down and up and down. It's like a roller coaster with the Buccaneers. I don't know. It might Maybe it's coaching. I don't know what to say here. I, I, it's very confusing to me. I, I certainly know that I don't know what to... Like I have no confidence now in the Buccaneers. Like, I just don't know what to expect from them week to week. Now, this was also Antonio Brown's first game back in the NFL playing with the Buccaneers. And some people want to blame Antonio Brown for the loss. There's a funny meme going around with Antonio Brown's face, like staring at the screen, like what? And it's, it's like, man, did, did you know it? You know, this guy realizing that it took only a, a quarter and a half for him to destroy the entire Buccaneers chemistry. But I think that's kind of a, it, look, it's funny, right? I enjoy the meme, but it's lazy analysis to blame Antonio Brown for the Buccaneers getting destroyed by the Saints. Antonio Brown, you know, both good and bad, had very minimal impact on the game really at all because the Buccaneers struggled with, they had blown coverages on defense. They had stupid penalties. They had missed tackles. They had turnovers. They had poor pass protection. Those are all things that had nothing to do with Antonio Brown. So I just, you can blame Antonio Brown. uh, You're wrong. So I want to repeat this. I still have no idea what to expect from Tampa Bay week to week. I just, I look at them now and I go, uh, I mean, Tom Brady even looked out of sync with Rob Gronkowski. They've been teammates together for act- literally years. And so I, if, if Tom Brady and Gronk don't look in sync, then I don't know what to believe about this Buccaneers team. It's also worth noting that Tom Brady continues to be unable to build chemistry with Mike Evans, their really talented wide receiver. I mean, look, we're nine weeks into the year. You haven't figured it out? I, it's awful. I mean, the Buccaneers got stopped on the goal line. And on that goal line stand, four downs in a row, they couldn't get into the end zone. Two of those four plays were fade balls to Mike Evans down the left sideline, then in the right corner of the end zone. They couldn't make it happen. I don't know how you can't figure out how to throw a fade to Mike Evans, but apparently Tom Brady can't figure it out. It's weird. Like, dude, put air under the ball. Let Mike Evans go get the ball. I've never criticized Tom Brady that heavily. That's when I go, dude, how do you not know how to throw the ball to Mike Evans? You put it up. Let the guy out jump the guy next to him. Box him out. Go get the ball. And it's weird that Mike Evans and Tom Brady still nine games into the year have not been able to connect. I don't I don't know what's going on. So the Saints dominated Tampa. They were up 38 to nothing. Uh, and again, I, I just repeat, I have no idea what to expect from the Buccaneers week to week. They're very inconsistent. They're very unpredictable. And that's not at all a good thing. Now, game two, I want to see if you guys can guess this one. 
Uh, it was a really close, really fun game. Maybe even the best game of the week last week in NFL Week 9. Uh, and that I think in my mind that narrows it down to one or two couple games. And I felt like during this game, I felt like I was watching the future of the NFL flash before my eyes. Two future faces of the league. I'm talking about Kyler Murray and Tua Tungavaloa. The Dolphins beat the Cardinals 34-31. to uh, the Dolphins are now 5-3. and three. By the way, so are the Cardinals. They're also 5-3. and three. What a fun game. Oh, my gosh. Um, it came down to the wire. I mean, literally, the Cardinals missed the game-tying field goal. Then Miami got the ball. They ran out the clock. I, I really had a great time here. I was impressed with Tua. Tua, I think, took a step forward from his first start to his second start. He had two touchdown passes. Miami had some really—Chan uh, Gailey, the offensive coordinator there, had some really creative play calls. I, I really respect what Miami's doing on offense— uh, getting a lot of really good looks for Tua. Uh, by the way, Tua's hip looks totally fine. There were multiple plays where Tua ran around and extended a play or ran for yardage. Uh, you know, on a third and four, there was a play where Tua made two defenders miss. He made a free rusher miss. And then he literally juked out Buda Baker. I think Buda Baker was trying to ease up to not get a penalty. But still, I mean, Tua's hip looks totally fine. Later, he ran for 17 yards and uh, on another play for a first down. Uh, and the Dolphins created a touchdown, by the way, with... Uh, you know, they sacked Kyler Murray, got a fumble. The Dolphins defense picked up the fumble, ran for a touchdown. So the Dolphins defense looks really good. Tua Tungavaloa looks really good. Uh, and, and I want to say this because I, I really love Kyler Murray. I always give him praise all the time. Uh, I thought there was a play that Kyler deserves some criticism for. The Dolphins, uh, it was a key third and four play on the second to last drive for the Cardinals. Uh, and the Dolphins defense sent a blitz after Kyler Murray. Kyler Murray had a receiver on the left, open for a first down. He catches the snap, recognizes blitz, and instead of throwing the ball, taking the first down, he tried to, and he, he, I guess he chose to, beat the blitz with his legs running around. And he ran for three yards, but it was third and four. He running, deciding to have that strategy running, rather than beating a blitz with his arm, throwing, that cost him a first down. And what do I always say? I feel like I say this literally every single week on the podcast. If you're a young quarterback, learn how to identify blitzes. Always understand when a blitz is coming, where it's coming from, and then how you have to have a plan to beat the blitz. And Kyler Murray's plan was not one I was very impressed with. Hey, dude, Kyler, I love you. You're, you got one of the best arms in the NFL. <laughs> Throw the ball. What are you doing? I know you're a really talented running quarterback, but you're not a running quarterback you're a quarterback who can run. And I really wanted to see Kyler Murray throw the ball in that situation. I thought that cost him. There was also, so Kyler Murray had that play that cost him a first down. He had the fumble that the Dolphins took for a touchdown. Now, Kyler was great in this game. He had four total touchdowns, three passing, one rushing. He ran for over 100 yards, like 106 yards rushing. He was 21 for 26 passing. Kyler Murray is phenomenal. However, those two mistakes he made, I thought, cost him the game. Uh, and the NFL is such a small margin for error. And I just, I think that's the fumble, whatever. But the coaching point on the third and four, that's when you got to beat the blitz with a throw. And I, I just, I harp on that every single week. If you're in high school, if you're in college and you hear me talk, please, I am begging you, always learn to understand where a blitz is coming from, when it's coming, and have a plan to beat that blitz with your arm throwing the football. Okay, game number three. See if you can guess this one. Uh, one of the five best games from week nine, in my opinion. 
And I guess I'll start with this hint. When you, when I say rookie of the year, who do you think of? What person do you think of when I say rookie of the year? Now we'll narrow it down to the West Coast. I'm not talking about Cincinnati. Of course, I'm talking about Justin Herbert and the LA Chargers. So the Raiders beat the Chargers 31 to 26. The Raiders are now five and three. The Chargers are two and six. Uh, the Raiders made me feel very good about, you know, a couple weeks, like a week ago, maybe November 4th is when the video came out. Uh, I, I came out basically supporting the Raiders saying that I'm now going to elevate my prediction about them from whatever it was. I think they were, I think they were seven and nine to now I have them going 10 and six. They're a much better team than I expected. And I feel good about them. And I feel good about that prediction after watching this Raiders chargers game. So Derek Carr, their quarterback, is playing very well. The defense makes improvement every single week. Uh, and the Chargers, against, I guess against the Chargers, the Las Vegas Raiders and John Gruden's offense, they had 160 yards rushing. I feel great about that. And I really, I walked away going, yeah, the Raiders are exactly what I thought they were. But while Vegas is on the up and up, the Chargers are, they're two and six. They've lost six games this year. Think about this. This is a, a crazy thing to me. The Chargers have lost all six of their games by seven points or less this year. What? Wait, every, every loss they have has been by a touchdown or less, and often much less than a touchdown? That's insane. They almost won this game, by the way. They almost beat the Raiders. They were at third and goal with one second left. They threw a touchdown to Donald Parham, uh, a fade ball. It was reviewed and actually ruled not a touchdown. There's a really telling camera angle where uh, the ball is moving around. I felt bad. I like Donald Parham. He's an XFL guy. Uh, I felt I was really disappointed he didn't. Uh, I believe he's from Stetson is where he's from. Played college. He's like a basketball guy. He's an awesome tight end. I felt bad that he didn't get the game-winning touchdown. Would have been a really cool moment for him. And uh, honestly, I will say I think it's good for. Look, the Chargers are building. They're growing. They're competing. They're in every single game they're playing. But I also would say that I think every time the Chargers lose a game, I go, you know what? Uh, That's good for them. That's not the worst thing in the world because they have their franchise quarterback. They are competitive. They're right in games every time. And losing is going to get them a better draft pick, whether they keep that draft pick and draft an impact player or they trade down in the draft with a team like the 49ers or the Bears who want to get a franchise quarterback. Having a high draft pick for the L.A. Chargers at this point when – they're not in a position to make the playoffs. They're not in a position to take out, uh, you know, the. they're not really going to overtake the Chiefs right now. They need, I think, another piece or two. Having a high draft pick is good for the Chargers. Now, I will say, I, I don't want this to be taken as criticism. It's not. It's just my observation of Justin Herbert. Justin Herbert is, look, he's insanely talented. I think he's, either him or Joe Burrow is going to be the rookie of the year this year when I do my, uh, you know, my, my, you know, NFL awards at the end of the year. And Justin Herbert is creating a ton of really big plays. But I will say he's still growing and he's still learning. There were multiple mistakes uh, against the Raiders that cost the Chargers. Uh, it really it caused them to have to punt the ball away. So it's not really a concern to me because every time I watch Justin Herbert, he's getting better. He's making improvement. He's growing. But there still are little details he lacks. And I think that while he's flashy and exciting and really, I mean, he's making a ton of great plays. And again, he's probably the rookie of the year. There's also a lot of little nuanced things he needs to learn. And that's okay. I mean, Justin Herbert's like a sponge right now. He's in taking everything. But I want to see him. I'm excited really to see where he's at in two or three years when 
He's gone through every week. He learns another painful lesson. I feel like, and once he gathers up all those lessons and can put it all together and eliminate all the mistakes, oh, my, or at least you're never going to eliminate all the mistakes. But once he can eliminate a lot of his mistakes, oh my gosh! I mean, the Chargers are going to take over the NFL if at some point he can clean up his game. Uh, it's going to be terrifying. I mean, it's already terrifying. So. Just think about the potential the Chargers have with their young quarterback if he can make fewer and fewer mistakes every single game. Uh, but Justin's doing a lot of good stuff. I want to praise him. And I, I think the, the future's very, very bright in L.A. for the Chargers. Now, game number four. See if you can guess this one. I would describe this game as eye-opening. This game really showed how far one team has fallen from grace. And it also featured a veteran quarterback replacing a young quarterback. And in the process of showing up and playing, that veteran quarterback, I thought, actually showed up and somewhat kind of proved why that young quarterback isn't very good and needs to be better. So in case you don't know what I'm talking about, on Monday Night Football, the Patriots barely beat the Jets 30-27. to The Patriots are now 3-5. and The Jets are 0-9. And uh, this game was so eye-opening in many ways. First of all, the Patriots-Jets came down to the final play. I, you know, the Patriots needed a last-second field goal to beat the Jets? I could not have imagined that the game would have been that close and gone that way. So, to me, I look at that and go, yeah, the Patriots are just bad. There's not really, they're 3-5, and they barely beat the Jets, the Patriots are a bad football team. And I... I, I know that's weird to say. I never thought. I, I just, you know what? That's just what I see. Now, the Jets, I thought they really, this was their best opportunity to win a game this year. I think they're going to go, I mean, they might go 0-16. They're 0-16, 1-15. The Jets are in trouble. They're likely going to get the number one overall pick, likely take Trevor Lawrence. Uh, and I thought, so the Jets quarterback, Sam Darnold, was not play- he did not play in this game. He has a shoulder injury, re-aggravated, so he did not play the entire game. And Joe Flacco played instead. Remember Joe Flacco, the former Super Bowl MVP who played for the Ravens for years, went to Denver, kind of flamed out. And honestly, Joe Flacco did so well that it made me wonder if Joe Flacco isn't maybe the best quarterback to be playing for the Jets. I really, I thought he kind of showed up Sam Darnold. Joe Flacco was... 18 for 25, which shows he was really efficient, very accurate. Uh, he was had 262 yards passing, three touchdowns, had an interception. I thought there was a, a particular touchdown to Jamison Crowder uh, in the left corner of the end zone. I went, oh, oh my, that's a beautiful, beautiful throw. Um, and I, I just, I, I look at Joe Flacco and went, you know what? Joe Flacco had multiple really good throws and did stuff I haven't seen Sam Darnold do and two or three years watching the Jets. So I think Joe Flacco might actually be the best quarterback on the Jets roster. Whatever that means to you, I think the Jets want to lose, so maybe you go back to Sam Darnold. I also, uh, I, don't, I don't I don't know here, right? Like, I, I, I think if Joe Flacco's playing better than Sam Darnold, it might also show, hey, Sam Darnold, I, I keep giving him the benefit of the doubt and hoping and praying he's going to get better. If Joe Flacco is better than Sam Darnold, I have no more excuses. I go, well, okay, Sam Darnold's just not very good, and I, I hope better coaching would help him, but it's he got shown up on, uh, on Monday Night Football by Joe Flacco, so that's disappointing and concerning. Now, also, I want to give a side note. Uh, shout out to Frank Gore. 
I never would have thought that Frank Gore was going to play as long as he's played this year. Uh, you know, a few years ago, years ago, when I started Strong Opinion Sports, I remember one of my early topics was, uh, you know, talking about whether Frank Gore was in the Hall of Fame conversation, but it was already a conversation. Now, years later, he's still in the league. He's still playing well. And I think, you know, very easily, Frank Gore absolutely is a Hall of Fame running back the minute he retires. So maybe even first ballot, literally he's that good. So I just walked away. Joe Flacco's better than Sam Darnold. The Patriots are bad. And Frank Gore unequivocally is a Hall of Fame running back. Game number five, try to guess this one. This game left me very, very impressed. I walked away going, oh, hey, here's a team with a bunch of weapons that nobody really talks about. Uh, that, and, and here's another hint. The rebuild is working. The, you know, I, and here's maybe the tell. If, you, if this one doesn't give it away, you're probably not going to get it. It was a rookie coach against Big Red. Anyone know who Big Red is? It's, it's Andy Reid. So I'm talking about the Chiefs beating the Panthers 33-31. to Look, the Panthers held their own in this game. They even had the ball at the end of the game with a chance to win. Uh, the Panthers dominated time of possession. They had more yards. They had more first downs. They had zero turnovers. Kansas City had one turnover. I, I really walked away feeling like people need to respect Carolina. They have Christian McCaffrey, and when Christian McCaffrey's healthy, they have a total of five really good offensive weapons. Christian McCaffrey, Curtis Samuel, Robbie Anderson is a guy who came over from the Jets who got a big contract, and I went, that is, I really looked at that and went, is Robbie Anderson really worth the amount of money they paid for him? And Because Robbie Anderson in New York was always a guy who could stretch the field vertically but never really had anything else in his game, and Robbie Anderson has gone to the Panthers and is evolving his game. He had a big back shoulder catch uh, down the sideline on Sunday. Joe Brady, Matt Rule, the Panthers coaching staff, they are getting – the absolute most out of Robbie Anderson. He's growing as a player. He's getting good coaching. Uh, says a lot about the Jets. It also says a lot about the Carolina Panthers. They got good coaching as opposed to the New York Jets. Uh, now, the Panthers also have DJ Moore and a guy named Mike Davis, who, as Christian McCaffrey got hurt, Mike Davis really emerged as a good running back who is a threat to catch the ball and run the ball. He runs really hard. I like Mike Davis a lot. So the Panthers had multiple fourth down conversions that had a really good gutsy and daring fake punt where the punter caught it threw the ball over the middle I went oh my gosh that's awesome that's ballsy it was in their own territory I believe and uh, in the end the only thing that really tripped up Carolina you know you have to play your best game to beat the Chiefs and they had too many penalties to win the game they had this they were tripped up by I mean Teddy Bridgewater even in a press conference this week came dressed as a ref because it's like yo we got to have fewer penalties to win games. And so I think if Carolina had, there was a couple drives that got ruined by penalties. And if they hadn't been ruined by penalties, they might've actually gotten the Kansas city chiefs. Now look, the chiefs are so good. They're almost boring in my opinion, because Casey has a great coach. They have a ton of good players. They have Teran Matthew, who I love watching. He's maybe my favorite player on the chiefs actually. And Casey has the best quarterback in the NFL. And, when you see a team that's likely putting together a Super Bowl run, I I hate to say this, but I don't find amazingly talented people as interesting as I find average to mediocre or bad. I think a train wreck or average is way more fascinating to me because the Chiefs are going to get their time. In the playoffs when the Chiefs are rolling through teams, we're probably going to talk a lot about Kansas City. 
for now, this time of the year is my time to talk about the stinking Jets or, you know, are the Browns going to be good or the Panthers? And so I, I found myself covering Kansas City very little in spite of how impressed I am with them just because I, I find them so dominating. They're not actually very interesting. It's a weird, it's a weird space to live in. Now, two teams this year have really challenged Kansas City. And that's the Raiders and the Panthers. Actually, I guess as I think about it, the Chargers have as well. Uh, either way, I think that the you know the Chargers I think took them to overtime. Actually, uh, I, I just want I walked away from this game feeling like you got to give the Carolina Panthers respect. They're playing very well this year. They might not have a winning record, but the rebuild is working. They're turning things around, and oh my gosh, I can't wait to see what the future holds for the Carolina Panthers. They kind of remind me of the Miami Dolphins last year where the Dolphins, they might not have had a great record, but they I walked away going, that's a well-coached football team that's competing and winning games and getting better. That's exactly what's happening with the Carolina Panthers. They deserve your respect. Okay, let's talk about the first game from NFL Week 10, shall we? On Thursday night football, the Indianapolis Colts beat the Tennessee Titans 34-17. to Both teams walk away from the game. They're now both 6-3. and three. And I don't have a lot to say about the Colts. I will say that Phillip Rivers looked very good. Their quarterback, uh, he loves throwing to his running back, Naheem Hines. The Colts kind of receiving running back. Really reminds me of the relationship he had with uh, the Chargers running back, Austin Eckler. Now, as the year continues for the Colts. I want people to look for this one thing. Look for the Colts rookie receiver, Michael Pittman, to have a really good second half of the year because he's a stud rookie from USC. I watched him basically beat Utah by himself last year in college football where he just had jump ball after jump ball after jump ball, dominating, beating man covers, like posterizing people. And uh, Michael Pittman was hurt. I guess Michael Pittman Jr. is his official name. He was hurt early on in the year. And on Thursday Night Football, he had seven catches for 101 yards. I love his game. Pay attention to Michael Pittman Jr. He's going to make an impact as the year goes on. Now, I also think that the Colts trading for, I just haven't gotten an opportunity to talk about this yet. The Colts traded a first-round pick to the 49ers for DeForest Buckner, a defensive tackle. And I just think that was a great move. It's working out. It's paying off. I It paid, like, what were the Colts going to get with that first-round pick? It certainly was not a player at the caliber of DeForest Buckner. So he's helping the running game. He's pressuring opposing quarterbacks. That DeForest Buckner trade, well done by the Colts. It was a great move. Now, the Titans were actually up at halftime in this game, 17-13. to And then the Titans could not score in the second half. So what happened? Like, How does the Titans go from winning, from leading in the first half to not even putting any points on the board in the second half. Two things happened. Special teams and third and long or, I guess, passing downs just in general. So first of all, the, Col- the Titans excuse me, the Titans are having troubles on special teams. Their kicker, uh, uh, Stephen Goskowski, missed another field goal against the Colts. He's now 12 for 20 on the season. Uh, he missed eight field goals now in nine games this year. That's not good. Uh, Goskowski is a guy I have a heart for. I watched him play and win Super Bowls in New England. And I, I, not that I, I just, I, I respect him as a player and it's not working. It's just, it's this year. It's been really bad. Now, punting was also a big problem for the Tennessee Titans last night. 
So the starting punter, Brett Kern, for Tennessee, is hurt. He's on the injured reserve. And in week nine, a guy named Ryan Allen was punting for Tennessee. He was very solid and fine. And I guess in practice, they saw something that made them want to randomly switch to this new guy, Trevor Daniel. They're like, Trevor Daniel, yeah! He's great in practice. They elevated him for the practice squad. And that move really cost the Titans. In fact, I think it ended up costing them 14 points in this game. So first of all, the Titans had a horrible shanked punt. I think it went for like 17 yards. Just a terrible... Yeah, in fact, it was because it was... The Titans were punting, had the ball on their own 10-yard line. They punted the ball away. And guess what? It was first and 10 for the Colts on the 27-yard line going in. That's a 17-yard punt. That's terrible. Four plays after that punt, bam, the Colts had a touchdown. They went up 20-17. to 17. Later, next, the Titans had a punt blocked. Uh, I don't know that's on the punter as much as the protection was awful. But the Colts returned that blocked punt for a touchdown. The Colts made it 27-17. They went on to win 34-17. And really, once Tennessee was down... In the game, they were in trouble because the Titans' offense is built to run the football and protect the lead. You're not going to see very many comebacks. You're not going to see a lot of third and long conversions because Tennessee's not built to throw the football. They're a good passing team, yes, but their passing game relies on using play action, faking the run. And a run fake is hard to sell when you're losing by two touchdowns or even three touchdowns in the fourth quarter. Therefore, you got to change your approach, have a drop-back passing game. And the Titans are not built to have a straight drop-back passing game throwing the football. And in the end, because of that, because of their system where they, they need the lead, they need to run the football, control the clock, it's actually become a limiting factor for the Tennessee Titans. It's hurting them. They're bad on third and long. You're not going to see a lot of comebacks. They struggle with just straight drop-back passing. And uh, it's again, it's a limiting factor right now for the Tennessee Titans, and that is how the Colts beat the Titans on Thursday Night Football in NFL's Week 10. All right, guys, I'm going to take a short break. When I return, we will do NFL Week 10 predictions, and then later in the show, I have a lot, like way too many Ask Zach questions. I'm excited for that. My name is Zach Schaumler. I'm going to take a short break. I will be right back. All right, we are back. I want to jump in. And do some predictions. So, after the Colts have now beaten the Titans on Thursday Night Football, there are 13 games left to be played during NFL Week 10. I want to share my predictions, go through how I believe the games are going to go. And we'll start with number one, Chargers at Dolphins. Uh, I'm hoping for a great game. I really want that to happen. Uh, It's Tua versus Justin Herbert. Should be really, really fun. But I think the Dolphins win this game. Because the Dolphins defense is really, really good. It'll be fun to watch Mike Williams and Keenan Allen, the Chargers receivers against the Dolphins corners, really, you know, Byron Jones and Xavier Howard. But I, even though I believe the Chargers have the more explosive, more exciting uh, to watch quarterback Justin Herbert, in the end, I think Miami has better coaching and a better defense. And, you know, Tua is still quite good, even though I think Justin Herbert has the, the, an edge right now. He's played more. He's more of a home run hitter. And is really, really exciting to watch. I think Tua is still very, very good. And I think the Dolphins beat the Chargers on Sunday. Should be fun. But having a better team and better coaching does matter. And that is why I'm picking the Dolphins to beat the Chargers on Sunday. Buccaneers-Panthers. I'm torn here because 
first of all, there's a lot of pressure, I believe, on Tom Brady to win this game. But I don't trust the Buccaneers because they've been so inconsistent. You know, one week against the Bears, they're awful. Then they're great against the Packers. Then they're mediocre against the Giants. Then they're terrible, like the worst they've ever been on Sunday Night Football against the Saints. I don't know how much faith I have in this team. So my brain says, you can trust the Panthers. They've been really consistent. They just challenged Kansas City. And I think the Panthers are better than people realize. That's what my my brain says. But then my heart is telling me, uh, you know, first of all, the Panthers are missing their left tackle. They're missing Christian McCaffrey, their running back. And also, my heart says, it's Tom Brady. I mean, it's Tom Brady was embarrassed on Sunday Night Football against the New Orleans Saints. You think Tom Brady's not going to come back with a vengeance and say, dude, hey, I'm still here. I'm still good. I think Tom Brady might come back angry after getting embarrassed on Sunday Night Football. So tentatively, even though I don't trust the Buccaneers, I'm going to pick the Buccaneers to win this game. Um, and I I mean, it's it's Tom Brady, right? Like you, you pick Tom Brady in this moment. And I, I guess if nothing else, if I'm wrong here, I will go down swinging and say that Every time you doubt Tom Brady, every time I doubt LeBron James, they just, they're the two people in sports that every single time you say they're too old or it's not going to work, they move teams. Every time people doubt Tom Brady or LeBron, they're the two people in my lifetime so far that every single time they have defied all expectations. And so I, I, it's Tom Brady. I'm going to bet on Tom Brady. Uh, not that I, I don't actually bet, by the way, I'm very actually against gambling. Uh, but I'm picking the Buccaneers to win this game on Sunday. Now, I believe the Raiders are going to beat the Broncos on Sunday. The Broncos' uh, leading receivers, Jerry Judy and Tim Patrick, are both questionable to play. They're both hurt. Uh, And the Raiders are also very, very good. Uh, The Raiders, in my eyes, have proven themselves to be a good football team. They deserve the benefit of the doubt, if you ask me. Uh, They're the better team. Derek Carr is great. Their defense is making progress. They run the ball very, very well. Uh, they have Devontae Booker, and they have uh, – is it is it Devontae Booker? I think it's Devontae Booker, their running back. I know it's, his last name is Booker. They got a great one-two punch with Josh Jacobs and Booker. Uh, I feel very, very strongly that the Raiders win this game and beat the Broncos on Sunday. Now, the Ravens. I believe the Ravens are going to beat the Patriots. It feels like an easy one, actually. People are going to talk a lot about Cam Newton against Lamar Jackson, quarterback versus quarterback. But you have to remember, Lamar Jackson is on a much, much better football team. It kind of matters. It kind of matters. Like Cam Newton basically has no weapons on offense. You have a little tiny slot receiver who I Julian. I love Julian Edelman. He doesn't really help you stretch the field. Or you know, there's a lot of things that Julian Edelman doesn't help you do either. And so the Patriots just barely beat the Jets on Monday Night Football. To me, that's a sign of a bad football team. And so the Ravens are going to beat the Patriots easily on Sunday. Another easy one, you have the 49ers and the Saints. The Saints are going to beat the 49ers because the Saints are playing very, very well. Michael Thomas is back. He's rolling. The Saints defense shut down Tom Brady last week. They're getting healthy. I'm very impressed with the Saints defense. And then the 49ers are missing so many key players and good players. They're on a backup quarterback. They have running backs and receivers and tight ends and tackles and all kinds of stuff. I I guess between how good the Saints are playing and how banged up the 49ers are, I would be shocked if the 49ers found a way to beat the Saints and beat New Orleans on Sunday. Now, I believe the Browns are going to beat the Texans because the Browns are, first of all, just a better team all around. They're coming off of a bye week. 
Miles Garrett is going to give the Texans quarterback, Deshaun Watson, a lot of trouble. He's going to be running around, I think, trying to extend plays to get away from Miles Garrett, who in one-on-one matchups, Miles Garrett, I think, is the most dominant player in the league this year, probably because guys like Khalil Mack and Aaron Donald are simply not getting one-on-one matchups. But Miles Garrett, for whatever reason that I will never understand, people have not quite understood and grasped just how dominant he is on the defensive line. And so I, I feel bad for Deshaun Watson. I also want to I want to call my shot here. I think Baker Mayfield's going to have a really big day and a really big game, uh, and it'll be the beginning of a longer run for Baker Mayfield of playing very well. They're coming off of a bye week, uh, and against this Texans defense, I feel very very confident Baker Mayfield is going to be very very successful. So the Browns are going to win to beat Houston on Sunday. Another obvious game this week is the Jaguars at the Packers. The Packers are 6-2. and two, The Jaguars are 1-7. and seven. And, I mean, top to bottom, the Packers are a much better team. I don't know that there's... If you pay attention to football, you know, the Jaguars are... You know, they're really in the conversation for having a number one overall pick. Meanwhile, the Packers are look like a playoff team. Oh, yeah, by the way, you also have a Jaguars team leaving Florida to play in Lambeau Field in, in Green Bay, Wisconsin... In November, oh, guys, that's not good. You ever gone from a really warm place to a really cold place? I have. It doesn't work very well. It's terrible. You're, you're just, you can never quite get comfortable when you're used to warm weather. Then, shockingly, you're in the cold. Uh, not to mention, so that's brutal, first of all. Going from Florida to Wisconsin in November, terrible. Uh, the Jaguars also are likely starting a rookie sixth-round pick at quarterback Jake Luton. And so Luton Ludden, I don't, I don't even know how to say his name because I don't even care. Uh, the Jaguars are going to get destroyed by the Packers on Sunday. Now, Washington plays at the Lions at Ford Field in Detroit uh, this week. It's a complicated one because, uh, on one hand, Washington is a very solid team. And I think normally, Lions-Washington is a good, interesting matchup because Washington runs the ball very well. They're, they play disciplined defense. Uh, the Lions are good enough that if you give them opportunities, they will beat you. However, Washington's starting quarterback, Kyle Allen, got hurt. He had an ugly ankle dislocation. Do not watch the video. I did. I watched that game against the Giants. Oh, not fun. Uh, Kyle Allen's going to be out for a while. I mean, literally, I think the I think Greg Jennings was on the call. Greg Jennings just goes, oh, like he's kind of that, you know, that when you like get the, the wind knocked out, of you just go, oh, that's not good. And so I think maybe the feel-good story of the year is that Alex Smith is going to be the starting quarterback for Washington on Sunday. Yay! Very cool. Woo! Very exciting. However, unfortunately, uh, last week when Alex Smith did play, he didn't look very good. And I haven't been impressed with Alex Smith all year. I've always said, all year, I've been banging on this drum. Hey, Kyle Allen is the best quarterback in Washington. I stand by that when Alex Smith came off the bench, he had three interceptions. In fact... Two late ones that cost Washington an opportunity to win. I mean, Alex Smith had two late fourth-quarter interceptions in a close game that cost Washington an opportunity to drive down the field and kick a game-tying field goal or get the game-winning touchdown. So even though Washington runs the ball very well, they play disciplined defense, I, I, and I, I, I look, I hope Alex Smith is amazing. Unfortunately, I don't think he will be. Uh, so... Again, I think it would have been a, a tough, interesting game anyway, but because of Alex Smith playing and the the poor play he had last week, I am going to say that I believe the Lions are going to win this game and win it rather easily. 
on Sunday. Now, Eagles at Giants. Uh, this is one of those games where I really have no idea. I, I don't. I don't know. Uh, Eagles quarterback Carson Wentz is his own worst enemy. One of my most proud favorite videos I've made all year is a video breaking down the kind of the way that Carson Wentz tries to be Superman, where he tries to make way too many amazing plays rather than just executing his offense. Uh, now the Giants play disciplined defense, and if you do that against Carson Wentz, you're likely to get turnovers and get mistakes and win. So. I think the Giants win this game. My my heart says Giants win, but it's hard to tell because it depends on, first of all, how Carson Wentz plays. Does he play clean or not? And then how does the Giants, I guess, I don't know if this matters as much because I think the Giants defense can win this by themselves. However, how is the Giants quarterback Daniel Jones going to play? He needs to avoid turnover. So you you guys know I, I love quarterbacks, and I, I'm really fascinated by this Giants Eagles game. It may be the, one of the games I cover on Monday to start the week because I'm really curious about them. Uh, assuming I can based on my tonsil, my what am I, wisdom teeth are coming out. So uh, I hope I can record Monday. If not, I'll watch it on Sunday and then just build a gigantic stockpile of like eight games to cover on Tuesday. Now, Seahawks-Rams. I expect this game to be a shootout. The Seahawks and the Rams. Uh, I believe the Rams win the shootout, though, because uh, Seattle's got a lot of problems on defense. Uh, they look confusingly bad on offense last week against the Buffalo Bills. And the Bills are not this great imposing defense. I just thought there were weird mistakes made by Seattle. And, I mean, I feel nervous because to, he- to, to say that I think Russell Wilson is going to lose a game, that feels like a mistake, but I'm going to stick with it because I just don't trust Seattle right now. I think the Rams beat Seattle on Sunday. What else do we have left? Ah, the Bills. Uh, the Bills are playing at the Cardinals this week. This could be the game of the week in the NFL. Uh, I think Arizona has the edge because Arizona has a better defense. Uh, They are at home, although it matters much less when you have fewer people in the stands. I also think Kyler Murray is going to shred Buffalo's defense. So I think the Cardinals win a close game, but Josh Allen against Kyler Murray. Woo! I think that's going to be really, really fun. And I think if there's one game you pick to watch this week in the NFL, go watch the Bills at the Cardinals because, oh my goodness, going to be a really 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 good time hi this is zach it's actually saturday uh, i got my wisdom teeth out last night i think i was so nervous i forgot to include the bengals and steelers as part of my prediction so i'm adding this in after the fact uh, i hope my voice sounds okay so the bengals at the steelers um pittsburgh's eight no they should win this game however it does feel weirdly like a toss-up to me where pittsburgh is kind of due for an upset at some point you feel like they're going to get their first loss eventually And Joe Burrow is really good. So the Steelers probably win. But I am curious if Joe Burrow can make it interesting. Now, Monday Night Football, to close out the week, the 13th game of the week, you have the Vikings at the Bears, a NFC North divisional rivalry. (sighs) Boy, I don't know. It feels like an ugly game in the making. Uh, Now, this game, I guess, if I had to pick one factor to decide the game, it would be the Chicago Bears run defense. If you look at where they are ranked in the uh, the NFL, they're like on the, they're on the bottom half of the league when it comes to giving up rushing yards, and I think they're a second half team against the run. And so, I think Vikings running back Dalvin Cook is going to have a really good day, and I think the Vikings win because of it. But I will say, and I'm I'm totally I I own my 
lack of bias. When I'm biased, I own it. I try to just address it head on. I will and look, I'm gonna cover the game fairly. That's what I always do. But I will say, I'm rooting for Nick Foles here. I like Nick Foles a lot as a human being, and I want to see him do well in a big moment on in a primetime game, but I don't have a lot of confidence. Like you can root for somebody and not really believe in them. And so I believe the Vikings win on Monday Night Football because of Dalvin Cook running the ball very, very well. But I hope, just for the sake of throwing this out there, I do hope that Nick Foles does very well. If he does win and do well, oh, I'd be so happy because I really like Nick Foles as a human being and as a quarterback. So, guys, those are my predictions. Uh, I hope you enjoy NFL Week 10. I think it's going to be a blast. I will be recovering from getting my wisdom teeth out, and I'll just be on my couch, just you know, probably ice on my face, just like glued to my TV, watching, taking notes, and having a great time. So enjoy NFL Week 10. All right, guys, I'm going to take a short break. When I return, it's, oh my gosh, I have an hour and 10 minutes till my surgery. Woo, that should be fine. I'm not nervous at all. I'm very nervous. I'm very, very, very nervous. Uh, I'm going to take a short break. When I return, we'll do Ask Zach, and then I'm going to take off, get in my car, and go get my wisdom teeth knocked out of my face. Have a, my name is Zach Schaumler. I'm going to take a short break. I will be right back. There are now Strong Opinion Sports sweatshirts for sale. Oh, yeah, by the way, there's also now a permanent Strong Opinion Sports store. And to celebrate the opening of the store, I'm starting it with a sale. Currently, there are four items for sale, a pullover hoodie, a zip-up hoodie, a performance t-shirt, and a premium cotton t-shirt. All four are for sale at a reduced price right now. If you order by December 1st, everything is cheaper. And everything is guaranteed to ship to you by Christmas. The pullover hoodie is $35 on sale. At the end of the month, when the sale ends, it will be $40. The zip-up hoodie is $40 now. When the sale ends, it will be $45. The performance-style t-shirt, it's $25 now. After December 1st, it will be $30. And the premium cotton blend t-shirt is $20 on sale right now. And after the sale, it will be $25. Again, everything is on sale now until the end of November. And if you order by December 1st, I can guarantee you will get your stuff by Christmas. Follow the link in the description or go to shirtsforyourpeople.com and find the Strong Opinion Sports tab. All right, we are back. I hope you're doing very, very well. Uh, I feel like today's episode has gone really well today. So I want to end the show with Ask Zach. Uh, by answering some questions, comments, concerns, thoughts, or ideas from the audience on Patreon. I would I really consider this my favorite part of the show because I get to just be myself the most and really uh, open up and share all kinds of stuff. And so in case you don't know how it works, you go to patreon.com forward slash Zach Schaumler. You give a dollar a month. You can give more if you want to. Please do. It literally helps pay my rent. Uh, but a dollar a month gives you access to submit questions on Patreon. And if you submit a question, I do not guarantee to read your question on the show. My only guarantee is I look at every single question with my eyeballs, and I pick the top couple to read at the end of the show, or during, sometimes I do full entire Ask Zach episodes. It's been a while. It's been longer than I'm proud of. I apologize. It's been a weird week. Um, but to try to make up for my lack of doing this in, like, a week, I want to answer just, like, a t I have so many questions, like, just a long, long amount of questions to answer. I'm really excited. Um, so let's jump in. Question number one is from Joaquin. He says, hi, Zach, big fan of the show and new to ask Zach. Well, welcome. Glad you're here. 
Chip Kelly lost his third season opener to a Colorado team that went 5-7 and seven last year with a new coach. They got another new coach that was a previous UCLA head coach driven out of UCLA and started a quarterback who played safety last year. Chip is going to be fired. I think you what you mean. I think I, I think I follow, which means that I, I didn't watch UCLA's opening game because UCLA is terrible. Sounds like they lost to a coach who they used to have as their head coach and a quarterback who used to be a safety in the first week. Oh my gosh, that's terrible. Um, so the question is though, what is UCLA's ceiling in head coaching candidates? Their new AD Martin John, Martin Harmon Harmon athletic director by the way was on the committee that hired Urban Meyer at Ohio State and hired a new head coach at Boston College that seems to be great. I know an Urban Meyer is out of the reach, but who can they get? Did Chip ruin the job permanently, or will a new apparel sponsor make the job more enticing? Thank you. Keep up the great work. I don't know how an apparel sponsor would really help make the job more enticing, to be honest. I don't think it matters at all. Um, Urban Meyer, that's a pipe dream. It'd be amazing. I don't know why Urban Meyer would go to a program that isn't established and interesting and got a big draw. Urban Meyer is like one of the biggest brands in college football from a coaching perspective. He can have any job he wants. He certainly does not want the UCLA job. He might be waiting out to get the USC job, but I don't think he's ever going to go to UCLA. Here's So UCLA has two routes to go, in my opinion. Either you hire a guy who's been a, a, a successful college coach at a lower level, uh, I, so my my personal favorite coach in college football that's not at a Power Five conference. There's a lot of good coaches all over the country. The guy I think it gets no recognition and no respect is the Cincinnati head coach Luke Fickle. He's really good. He's got good schematics. He's really smart. If you hire Luke Fickle at UCLA, give him a five year contract and then get out of the way. You don't bother the guy till year five. Give him five years to build the program. And if you do that. A guy like Luke Fickle might just actually pull that off. So I think part of why Chip Kelly has failed is because he lacks passion. You look at the guy. I don't. I, I know some of the guys who play there. Uh, I everything I've heard about Chip Kelly sounds like a guy who's there to get a paycheck. Who I I don't think has this deep desire uh, to to do to succeed. And I, I'm sure he, everybody wants to succeed, but people that I know that play for Chip Kelly say. The dude just doesn't leak out this deep desire and energy and passion and fire that they really hoped. And so that's that's kind of, I think, Chip Kelly's problem at UCLA. Now, here's the other thing. You could hire a guy, I think Luke Fickle, Cincinnati, really, really, really good uh, head coach at Cincinnati. Uh, the other option is you could copy what Arizona State has done with their program, which is to say that, hey, go, hey high school kids. We're going to hire NFL coaches and guys who know the NFL, and we're going to teach you and give you the skill set so that when you come to our program, we'll teach you how to get to the NFL and stay in the NFL and be prepared for the NFL. Sell the NFL. So maybe you'll hire a guy like Deion Sanders. Uh, I think he's at Jackson State right now in Mississippi. Maybe Deion Sanders. I think actually the guy I would hire if I was UCLA, this is my the dark horse, the number one, if, I, if I'm the person running UCLA, the number one coaching candidate I would go get, I would absolutely copy the gimmick and the approach that it's not, I wouldn't even call it a gimmick. That's probably the wrong word there. I would copy the approach that Arizona state has taken saying, Hey, we're going to take young kids, teach you how to get to the NFL and how to stay in the NFL. And we're going to hire an NFL coach who's been in the NFL and done good stuff to teach you how to get there. So I would hire my number one coaching, 
my, my number one option, if I was UCLA, the number one person I would pursue and try to hire, I would go hire Rex Ryan, the guy who's been the Jets head coach, the Buffalo Bills head coach, a defensive coordinator for the Ravens, done very, very well there. I think he won a Super Bowl even with the Ravens. And I would get, if you think about Rex Ryan compared to Herm Edwards, where was Herm Edwards a star in the NFL? Hard knocks. People loved him because Herm Edwards had this incredible energy. And then, oh, hey, guess what? Herm Edwards went to ESPN. And I think maybe CBS or wherever he broadcasted, he did a great job because Herm Edwards has a really big personality. And part of recruiting is you have to be a personality people want to fight for and be around. Rex Ryan has so many similarities to Herm Edwards where he's been an NFL coach. He was great on hard knocks. He was great on TV. He's interesting on TV. He's an NFL mind who's got a great personality. Rex Ryan could recruit. My gosh. Oh, by the way, Rex Ryan's son is already in L.A. coaching for the L.A. Chargers. So, hey, hey, Dad, come to my city. <laughs> Let's get Rex Ryan to reunite with his son in Los Angeles, coach for UCLA. I am telling you, my crazy, put on the, the tinfoil hat, the hope, the desire, the, the prayer I have. I'm not a UCLA fan. I probably have to pick one. I'd probably lean towards USC, actually. But if I'm UCLA, my approach is this. Hire Rex Ryan. Get a guy in there who's a great recruiter who knows the NFL. Hire other people who've been coaches in the NFL before. Sell the idea of the NFL. And that works. It's working for Arizona State. They're dominating recruiting in the Pac-12. Say, we're UCLA. We're going to teach you how to get to the NFL, stay in the NFL, and give you the tools, the coaching, and the resources and the skill set to succeed in the NFL. That is what I would do if I was the athletic director at UCLA. Uh, Braden writes in, he says, do you think quarterbacks like Tim Tebow and Vince Young would work in the NFL now with the way offenses are made for quarterbacks, the way coaches elevate the way they play? Uh, No, Tim Tebow and Vince Young would not work in the NFL today because Tim Tebow couldn't throw the ball and Vince Young didn't study. And even though they had... Similar skill sets to guys who can run and do good stuff. Even in 2020, to succeed as an NFL quarterback, you need to be able to throw the ball well, and you need to have a great work ethic. Tim Tebow had a great work ethic he couldn't throw, and Vince Young had a great natural ability. (laughs) It sounds like just did not do the work it required to succeed in the NFL. Emotep writes in, he says, Hey, Zach, I had a conversation about this with my dad the other day, and I was wondering what your opinion would be on it. Do you think Russell Wilson would succeed in any era? I personally think he's he would, but my dad thinks he's too small for old school football. So, look, I don't think the problem is Russell Wilson's size working in old school football. I think if Russell Wilson gets on the field, he'd do great. I mean, he could succeed in any era of football because he's, he's a great athlete. And I think actually in the 70s, Russell Wilson would go, he'd turn heads, people go like, Nobody can tackle that guy. He's amazing. He's the best quarterback I've ever seen. Now, Russell Wilson's actually probably better in earlier eras of football because of, if, if you insert Russell Wilson today into a 70s NFL offense with his precision, with his accuracy, with his ability to run, he's probably the best quarterback in the NFL by a lot. Here's the problem. In the 70s, the 80s, the 90s, likely nobody would have given Russell Wilson an opportunity to play quarterback. Because coaches in high school, in college, they were too biased against short quarterbacks. They wanted these tall, six foot five, gigantic quarterbacks. And they look at Russell Wilson and go, he's a great athlete. He's a defensive back. They probably, Russell Wilson probably 
would not have even ended up playing quarterback because of the bias against people that were great athletes who were short. If you're short and a great athlete, go play defensive back or play running back. Otherwise, sorry, you're not a quarterback kid. I don't, I can't, I don't care how great you can throw. It would have taken a, a high school coach or a college coach with a lot of vision to make Russell Wilson into a quarterback. Oh, by the way, even if he got to college as a quarterback, he'd still have to elevate to the NFL. And there was still a lot of bias and a lot of other stuff going on in the NFL, not to mention racial tension. So I think, I think Russell Wilson could have succeeded in the NFL in any era. But the question is, would he even have gotten an opportunity? Probably not. Okay, Hunter writes in and says, Hey, Zach, I've been a fan of your show for a while now. I know it's a bit too early to project his college career trajectory, but do you think Talia Tungavaloa is a great college quarterback or great quarterback in general? Where do you think his ceiling is, and do you think he'll do? how do you think he'll do as an NFL draft prospect? I, I think Talia is already an NFL quarterback. I think that now, like, he's got to keep getting better, right? He's not already today, but I would project that Talia is going to become a really great NFL prospect and become a great quarterback. He's already really impressing me. can move around, makes good decisions. He's very patient. Uh, he had a bad first start. I think he was nervous. I think there was some stuff that went wrong. Uh, but I think that Talia Tungavaloa is going to be the Eli Manning to Tua's Peyton where the Tungavaloa family is here to stay, and Talia is just a part of that. I mean, Talia is a really good quarterback who, as the years go on, just watch. He's going to get better and better and better, and he'll be a high-level pick in the NFL. I'm telling you, just watch. Watch what Talia does over the years. Uh, calling my shot now, I really believe in Talia, and I think he's going to be Really, really great, both in college football and in the NFL. Nolan writes in, says, are we seriously going to get a five-win team in the playoffs out of the NFC East? Remember, that's the Cowboys, the Giants, the Eagles, and the Washington. Uh, are we going to get a five-win team in the playoffs out of the NFC East? Yes, we are. Enough, enough said. Um, no debate there. Just that division is really, really, truly awful. Sean says, who is going to have the Red Bull seat next year? I would say I hope Sergio Perez or Nico Hulkenberg. Uh, they're the better drivers. However, because of having sponsors in Thailand, it looks like Alex Albin is going to keep the seat next year uh, for Red Bull. Brett says, hey, Zach, as a Bay Area resident, I've heard a lot of hype around Jimmy Garoppolo for years now. With his recent massive struggles, do you think the 49ers need to look elsewhere at quarterback in the offseason? Or... Does a team like San Francisco not even need a great quarterback to succeed when their running game and defense is so good? So you always need a great quarterback, no matter how good your running game is or how great your offense is or how great your defense is. Everybody gets better with a better quarterback, right? Like, that's just fact. Uh, so, yeah, the 49ers need a better quarterback because Jimmy Garoppolo is holding them back. In fact, I think that Nick Mullins probably is a better quarterback than Jimmy Garoppolo. Jimmy G... Oh, I, look, I, I, Nick Mullins is never a guy I would build my franchise around. I think Nick Mullins is a duct tape quarterback who is a great backup, and that's it. That's his ceiling. But I think Jimmy Garoppolo has been very, very limited throwing the ball vertically this year. Uh, and look, the name out there is Zach Wilson. Can the 49ers get their hands on Zach Wilson? Uh, I think they'd have to trade a lot to move up in the draft to get him. But oh my gosh, can you imagine if Kyle Shanahan got his hands on the BYU quarterback Zach Wilson? It'd be terrifying. It'd be really, really fun. Landon writes in this one, really. These are the kind of questions I just really get excited about that I love. So Landon writes in. says, Zach, I know you love writing stories and being creative. If you were to create an original Star Wars story, just like The Mandalorian, what time period would you set it in? Also, 
What aspect of Star Wars would you focus it on? Um, time period. I don't know. I I never. I don't really care about that. I think that my general answer is that I would want to tell a story that would speak to the youth, like probably the teenage years. Uh, it's compelling when kids go through hard stuff. Eight years old to if you could show a kid at eight years old going through you know being really poor, being abused. Uh, eight years old, then on to 12, then on to 14, show that journey a little bit. Um, I mean, if I was 14 years old, honestly, even now at 23 years old, it's relatable and it's compelling to watch a kid go through struggle. And so I would tell a story about somebody who's had it rough uh, and, and somebody who's breaking free of dysfunction and then going on an adventure to seek a better life. I mean, that's, for me, Strong Opinion Sports was kind of the closest way I could do to go seek a better life. And I try to tell a story kind of like that where I mean, look, I'm, not, I'm not the hero of anybody's story. I'm just a stupid guy talking about sports on the Internet. But I, I love my job. I'm very happy with my life. And I would want to tell a story about someone going to get a better life. I think that would be really, really cool. Uh, but you have to show the struggle, the abuse, the hardship. You have to show that in order to make the end, the end of the rainbow, the success, have any meaning. Uh, you know, that's why Ray in the newer Star Wars sequel series um, – it's just she really lacks a lot of depth and is not a great character. And part of that is simply because you never showed her struggle. You showed like one scene of her alone searching for junk through an old spaceship. You never really saw her as an orphan. You never saw the struggle as a kid, really. And so all of her, quote, problems as with her parents, it rang really, really hollow. Like also, I really honestly would love to kind of rewrite the creation of Darth Vader, how Darth Vader came to be. I mean, I would take the audience on a journey, making Darth Vader, young Darth Vader, into a character that is genuinely liked by the audience that people are rooting for, and then make a believable descent into madness, a descent into becoming a villain, and, and tell a story that makes people uncomfortable, where they go, I really like this character. Now he's evil, he's murdering children, and I, I feel very conflicted, and, and make people feel very uncomfortable. I think I'd love to tell, I'd love to write a Darth Vader, like, beginnings and the the origin story for Darth Vader or Darth Vader. I've got a lot of ideas for that. That's probably I have a, literally an entire notebook written of how I would do the origin story for Darth Vader. I'd love to love to be given that story. Maybe tell like a dark story similar to uh Joker with Joaquin Phoenix, which is I think that that character's never like really a character you root for and love. Um but it certainly was very dark and and very disturbing and I I think you could very very easily do that with Darth Vader as well. It's kind of the problem, like where you make a guy that's like the worst dude ever, and the reality is if you're after, actually Darth Vader, like the worst dude ever, it's not really a kid's story at all. It's just a really painful, gross, like disturbing story. I would love to tell that, but I don't know that that would be actually. Uh, maybe I'll just make it my own thing. That's like the journey of space bad guy. Maybe I'll just make it that way. And not, Star Wars isn't included, but people know it's my, my own kind of take on what I would have done with Star Wars. That would have been that'd be a fun story to tell someday. Um, Holden writes in, says, Hey, Zach, there seems to be this narrative that Tom Brady's contract with the Bucks is a, quote, team-friendly deal. The Monday Night Football talked about it during the Giants game, and I think everyone knows that he could have gotten more money from someone if he wanted to. Do you agree with this? Because I guess it's a team-friendly deal by definition because he could have gotten more. But also it seems like he's in that tier of quarterbacks where he's very good but still needs help to win consistently by that definition isn't $25 million a year a fair price. How much would you pay for Tom Brady if you were an NFL general manager? Dude, I think you hit it right on the nail. If you're going to sign Tom Brady, 
you know that Tom Brady wants good teammates. And in order for have Tom Brady to have good teammates, you have to pay him less money. So I think Tom Brady should have taken $15 million a year and said, hey, get me more. I, honestly, I think Tom Brady took too much money, weirdly enough, because Tom Brady's made his money. Who cares about the money? You care about the winning. Go win games, dude. Take $15 million a year. Take 10 I, I the, the less Tom Brady makes, the more money there is for the rest of his team to have great players on it. So I think Tom, Tom Brady honestly did himself a disservice by making too much money, but some of it was a, a statement towards the Patriots and respect and all that. Uh, I think people would have gone, oh, can you believe how little Tom Brady's making? He's not very good anymore. It would have been a, a bad look for his reputation maybe as well. Um, so $25 million a year for Tom Brady, that's a fair price. I think that's exactly what he should be paid. Uh, that's what he's worth. He's a guy who needs help, and uh, I think Tom Brady's paid exactly what he deserves to be paid as an NFL quarterback. Uh, Brian writes in, says, Hi, Zach. Oh, is, actually, let me, first of all, he doesn't say hi, Zach. Brian says, I have to say, I really appreciate you not commenting on politics on your show and giving people a place where you don't have to worry about hearing more politics or even hearing uh, NFL drama like Antonio Brown last year. And so I like, I want to just play, replay a clip of something I talked about from episode 301 of Strong Opinion Sports. Take a listen. I'm really proud of this. Enjoy that clip right now. I work really hard to keep my political opinions private. I don't think it's appropriate to share politics on a sports podcast. Look, I know why you're here listening to this show. You're here because you want an escape from the real world. That's why I, I, the reason why I love sports is it's my escape from the stressors and the problems of the real world. Uh, and quite frankly, I don't think it matters who you vote for to enjoy sports. We're here because sports are a great unifier. And everybody is welcome to listen to my show. And you're all welcome here on Patreon. You're all welcome everywhere. I, I, I welcome everybody from every side of everything. And I, uh, are you a human being that loves sports? Great. Then let's talk about sports. That's what I love. And you, you're welcome here. I want to double down because, look, I, I love sports. It's my favorite thing in the world. I love talking about sports and covering sports. But also... I know my role in the world, and I hope that Strong Opinion Sports can bring people entertainment and bring joy to the lives of everybody. And I don't really care whether you're on the right or the left politically. It doesn't matter in the context of sports, and I hope that regardless of which side you're on, my show can bring people entertainment and joy. And uh, you're always – everybody's welcome from any aspect of life. And I, um, if you love sports, you're welcome here to listen to this show and be part of this community. And so uh, welcome. Thank you for being here, and I – I just wanted to make that statement very, very clear. I love everybody, and uh, I try to. I guess I don't love everybody, but I, I have an open mind to talk to anybody and listen to anybody, and I try to make it as welcoming as possible for anybody who wants to be a part of this community and listen to me talk about sports. So I love you guys. I appreciate you guys, and just know that whether you're on the right or the left, are always welcome here. Uh, Braden writes in, says, Hey, Zach, I believe I remember you saying on the Flawed Humans podcast a couple times, that you're starting a movie podcast. Well, I'm excited for that. I have to give you a, se a question semi-related to movies. What are your thoughts on Disney movies and other Disney-related media? I know you love Star Wars and the newer Star Wars movies besides Rogue One are pretty... I know you love Star Wars and that the newer Star Wars movies besides Rogue One are pretty forgettable in your eyes, but I'd love to know what you think of the other Disney-related media. So I recently got... Uh, I recently went out and got Disney Plus because I wanted to watch The Mandalorian and uh, I cut away, I got rid of HBO because Hard Docs is over. I'm like, why am I still paying for that? Here's Disney+. Plus. Uh, I watched Moana recently. Oh, my gosh. Wonderful movie. Um, 
Actually, I think I have like 30 minutes left on it. I, I'm bad. At, I start movies and then I often don't finish them because I'm like, I'm like, oh, no, I'm done eating. And now I want to go do work again. Uh, and then I recently rewatched the Pirates of the Caribbean, the first movie, uh, you know, the, the Curse of the Black Pearl. And I am telling you, if you have Disney Plus, go watch the first 30 minutes of Pirates of the Caribbean, Curse of the Black Pearl. It's just amazing. I mean, that's where we got that meme where the guy says, you know, that's the best pirate I've ever seen. And it's like, dun, 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 I butchered that. I'm sorry. But um, I love Pirates of the Caribbean. I love Jack Sparrow. I love the music. It's so much fun and all around a great time. So shout out to Pirates of the Caribbean. I think it's an often forgotten Disney property. And the first 30 minutes of the first Pirates of the Caribbean movie from 2003, Curse of the Black Pearl. The first 30 minutes of that movie are so amazing and such a good time. Uh, Sam writes in, says, Hello, Zach. Seeing as you love the technical side of the game more than anything else, are you at all interested in ever getting into coaching? I imagine someone with your knowledge of the game and your love for the playbook could get a role in coaching on a grassroots level. Three questions left. I got to get going for in a second. My, my wisdom teeth got to get knocked out of my face. Sam, uh, I've gotten a lot of job offers, actually, to be a coach. A lot of them in high school, um, some of them at smaller colleges. I've also gotten uh, offers to be like a, a scout or a video director. Um, for me, it's strong opinion sports is my job. It's my full-time job. And doing another job isn't feasible, I, like coaching every day. I would love to be a high school offensive coordinator. I mean, I've, got, I've literally gotten offered that job. And I don't know how I would pull it off because I, I it, it would require more investment than I'm willing and able to give. And I, I really don't have extra time and I really don't want to stop making content. I, in fact, I want to make more content. So, uh, and also like straight up, I mean, this is a, it's shameful to admit this, but it's true. I don't really want to work with other people. I love, I work alone. I run my own company. I'm totally self-sufficient and by myself and it's hard to get health insurance, but otherwise uh, I do whatever I want. So uh, I don't really want to work with other people, and I don't want to stop making content. So uh, even though I, I would love to coach, I think it'd be really fun. I think high school is where I would – I think I could dominate as a high school offensive coordinator. Probably not a head coach. That's more responsibility than I want. But I could teach a young quarterback how to dominate high school football. Uh, I just don't think I want to take the time to do that because it would require a lot of sacrifice from my job, strong opinion, sports. Davis writes in. He says, hey, Zach, combining two of your interests, what – is what story in the NFL is currently is ripe for a movie. I always liked the coming of age movie, so I think Darius Leonard's story would be interesting. He's from a small South Carolina town, a zero star recruit being told he was a bad draft pick, only to become one of the best linebackers in the league. That's very cool. I didn't know that actually. Um, you said current. I'm not going to go current. For me, Tom Brady or Kurt Warner are the two stories I would probably make into movies. In fact, I think that Kurt Warner's story from like a grocery store clerk at Hy-Vee to being the Super Bowl MVP and a nobody to a star, um, and then a Hall of Famer, actually. The Kurt Warner movie, I think, is actually being made. But the story of Tom Brady or Kurt Warner, anybody who is a nobody who ended up winning Super Bowls and becoming a Hall of Fame quarterback, that's very, very special to me. So um, probably I would tell the Tom Brady story if I was ever going to make a movie. But I think it's a better documentary, and I think that documentary has already been made to some degree by the Brady Six. So... um, I, I don't know. I, I, I've never really thought about it much. It's an interesting question, and maybe we'll circle back to that. Ask me again in like two years because I'll have a different, better answer on that down the road. Connor writes in, says, Hi, Zach. With Halloween just passing, I thought I would ask about your Halloween experience. Do you have 
Any fun stories or maybe a favorite thing to dress up as when you were a kid? Um, look, I, I, I liked Halloween when I was a kid. Uh, I always had crappy costumes because we were really poor. Um, but as I've grown up, I've grown to have a distaste for Halloween. And actually, I hate Halloween. I think Halloween's weird. And I, I don't really... I, I hate that I'm forced to participate in this gigantic thing around the world where I'm supposed to give random kids candy. And I'm supposed to take my kids to random strangers' houses and ask random people for candy and make them feel like they have an obligation to give my children candy. It's just weird. All of, it's, it's, it's effing weird, and I don't like it. And it, the whole concept makes me uncomfortable. It's very weird to me. Am I the only person who's ever thought about Halloween and gone, it's kind of weird. Like, Why do we all agree we're going to give out candy to kids? when ki- Candy to kids is literally like a joke. Get the white van and like, oh, no, kids, candy. So I... I, I want random kids to leave my house and my yard and my property alone uh, and not come to my house. And so and I also don't want to take my kids. Not that I have kids, but when I have kids, I don't I probably will have to if my kids want to. And Halloween is still a thing. Uh, I think as 2020 goes on and we all wear masks and we're all, you know, it's possible Halloween goes away in the near future. I don't know. But I, I, ever since I became like 15 years old and really was cognizant of what happens on Halloween, I went. That's weird. And I, I kind of I hate Halloween. It's very weird. And the whole, whole concept makes very little sense to me. And it feels like a relic of the past, in my opinion. Okay, Andrew, final question of the day. Andrew says, what were your biggest surprises and disappointments from the NFL trade deadline? Are there any trades you really thought should happen but did not? So I was sad that Sam Darnold wasn't traded. Uh, it makes sense why he wasn't. He will likely be traded before the NFL draft or even during the draft. Because if the Jets are bad enough to get Justin Fields or Trevor Lawrence, they're going to pull the trigger on that. Uh, I think Sam Darnold's similar to when Josh Rosen was traded by the Cardinals, where I I believe the Cardinals drafted Kyler Murray number one overall, and then the very next day they traded away Josh Rosen to the Dolphins. I think something very similar is going to happen with Sam Darnold. But I was sad Sam wasn't dealt earlier, so we couldn't see that happen and see that move be made uh, live on, I believe November 3rd was draft day, uh, uh, was the NFL trade deadline. I wanted to see that happen. I'm sad it didn't, but the Sam Darnold trade, is Matt Ryan going to get traded? Is Matthew Stafford going to get traded? Those are all trades I'm looking forward to uh, right on the trade deadline. Uh, I guess not the trade deadline, but the the NFL draft as we get nearer and nearer and teams have to realize who's our quarterback of the future. Let's shuffle things around and figure that out. Uh, So Sam Darnold, I'm sad he wasn't traded. Guys, I got to go. I love you. I appreciate you. My tooth appointment is in 35 minutes. I got to leave. But I love you. I appreciate you. Ba-dum-bum. Bam. We are done.